welcome to the State of Combat. This is your professional wrestling edition, and it's the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, off the top here, coming to you, well, not so much live, but taped from sunny South Florida just days after Super Bowl 54 graced Hard Rock Stadium down here in Miami Gardens, Florida. Quite a game between those Chiefs and the 49ers. Uh, Silver King got to go live, my first ever Super Bowl. It was the you know, cherry on top of what has been a tremendous and exhausting three weeks. You've heard me come to you from New Orleans, Orlando, uh, you know, basically my house. And now uh, I'm back in studio here at CBS Sports Digital in Fort Lauderdale. Of course, on the other line, the man of a thousand nicknames, Jack Crosby. We are going to be breaking down everything in the world of professional wrestling that has happened over the last week. And we're going to look ahead a little bit as well to NXT TakeOver Portland, and you guys will understand exactly why we're doing that a bit later on today. Off the top of the show, I wanted to kind of, on a personal note, say thank you very much to many of you who sent myself and Jack really kind notes uh, coming out of last week's show on, I think you guys just really enjoyed the chemistry between us, how the show went, uh, and were entertained by it. But along with a lot of that praise came a lot of questions. Where's Brian Campbell? Will BCB back? and so on. And we aim to answer those questions for you by the end of today's show. But before we get to any of that, both the future of BC, the future of State of Combat, and all the goodness uh, comprised there within, we got to talk professional wrestling, Jack. And obviously, I'm going to welcome you in right now. But as we gear up, Jack, on this road to WrestleMania 36, I think it is, um, things are getting hot. And I don't mean that like in a, hey, you know, last year it got better, you know, from January yeah. to April. Mm-hmm. Uh, professional wrestling across the United States of America right now is as good as it has been in totality in quite some time. We're talking definitely AEW and NXT. Raw, you and I have been praising really since the end of October. And even SmackDown, there's things you may not like about, about SmackDown. Uh, and we're going to talk about those. That's, gonna, that's how we're going to start our main event. But Jack... There's good matches on the show. There's some decent storylines. And I just think WWE as a whole is really starting to figure out what it's going to be in this new era of competition and major TV deals. Yeah. Again, especially Raw, like we praise up and down every week. The SmackDown, I figured out my system. I just watch Twitter and see if there's segments I want, and I tune back to Fox. It's worked for me the last couple weeks. It worked on Friday. That's how I do things now with the Friday show, because I just don't like it. Yeah, but I don't if think, I see I don't if think there's anything tells wrong. me a segment's coming up that I want to see, I will flip back from whatever I'm watching or I'll, I'll flip to Fox really quick, watch that and then get get back out of there. I don't think there's really anything wrong with that either, because what we are looking at now is five, seven, nine, basically 11 hours of live professional wrestling programming on a normal week. Yeah, that's not counting if you care at all about uh, 205 Live, NXT UK, uh, AEW Dark, um, you know, NWA, Impact, Ring of Honor, not to mention pay-per-views for all of those brands or WWE or AEW. If you really look at it, there's going to be weeks, I don't know when, but if you include all the shows together where you can get upwards of 24 hours of professional wrestling in a given week, and that 
is too much, at least for me. Maybe Young Jack, it would have been okay with back in the day. Uh, when you were I just- can't even. I'm married. I have a wife. That I, I literally, like, I can't. Like, you, I think you hit me up last week on Wednesday night, NXT. No, Thursday morning on my day off. You asked me something about NXT, I think, and I was like, dude, I, I haven't watched either of them yet. Well, I was saying Young Jack. I wasn't necessarily saying married Jack who just bought a house. I'm talking about, you know, <laughs> before I knew you, basically. Ten years ago is kind of what I was uh, inkling there. But... It's a lot to consume, and I think uh, it's affected everyone. Uh, fans, people who cover it, uh, I think some people are digging their heels in, and they're, and they're getting even more obsessed with wrestling. Others, yeah. it's actually turning them off a little bit. And while I think most people are figuring out, like you are, like I am, like BC does, what is it that we like and want to guarantee that we watch every week, and then what else are we going to find time for? That's I, all you have to do. Yeah. Like, look at – I just took a peek the, the other day. Like, I even think it's too much. Now, you guys all know me by now, but coming for me, like the WrestleMania weekend stuff, holy crap, like too much, yeah. too much to try to, even to try to ask the most ardent, diehard wrestling fan to choose from. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's too much. Like in prior years, you know, a couple of years ago, I went to my first Mania with CBS. I've gone as a fan a ton of times. And I, when I went with Brian, we went to the WrestleCon Super Show, and we yeah. had aims to go to another one in addition to NXT, the Hall of Fame, and WrestleMania. But we were so freaking exhausted that when it came time for last year's WrestleMania, we didn't do anything. I mean, we we went to NXT and WrestleMania, but we did not try to do any extra events. And going into Tampa this year, especially now that the AEW guys, maybe some of them will be, will be on certain shows, but you're not going to get that Ring of Honor super card with New Japan where it's like, you have to go see this. And I just I just realized I neglected. I did see that last year. Yeah. Uh, I saw Okada win the damn title in Madison Square Garden. That was awesome. Uh, but my point is we didn't go see the smaller shows. And it is getting to the point where it is so overloaded that I don't think there's anything wrong with people trying to figure out what is it I can watch? What is it I don't want to? And what is it I care enough about to find out about and DVR but don't watch live? There's nothing at all wrong with that. Before we move on to the main event, and by the way, this is going to be an old school edition of State of Combat. We have the main event. We have Hero or Zero. It's going to be awesome as we go through the rest of the show. Uh, I did just want to say, so I'm at the, I'm at the Super Bowl. This is not a humble brag. This is not a Barry Horowitz, you know, pat myself on the back situation, but I was at the Super Bowl basically all week. And all I kept hearing was WWE's everywhere. Mojo's here. Roman Reigns, Big Show, uh, Baron Corbin, Stefan Triple H, et cetera, et cetera, right? I saw zero WWE superstars. Zero point zero. And that includes, I was at Radio Row for three days. I went to the game itself and walked around the club level and saw a ton of celebrities. Anyone you saw on TV or on Instagram that was at the game that was a celebrity, I basically at some point saw, whether in the distance or up close or whatever, but I somehow missed. You know, like, I don't know how the tall they are, but like six foot four Roman Reigns, six foot six Baron Corbin, seven foot Big Show, um, you know, Triple H staff, all these people. And I just thought it was really strange that a wrestling fan like me could go to an event like that and just completely miss everyone. But what I do plan to do is in a couple months, basically just over two months time, I plan to see all of them and more at WrestleMania 36 in Tampa, which I'm very excited about, Jack, because it is another WrestleMania in the Sunshine State and everyone wants it. In cold weather, they wanted it in Minnesota, or they wanted it in Vegas or Los Angeles. The Silver King, who does not like to fly, I love it in the Sunshine State. Yeah, I mean, you really, you, 
it's it just works better for everyone. I, I get what people want the cold weather. And I get why. I get the different experience and whatnot, but it, it, something like that just hits better when it's in the warmer weather. That's how I feel. Even in New York, I had fun. But having to go Brooklyn, Manhattan, and then, what is it, East Rutherford, New Jersey, and take a uh, – I had to take an Uber to a subway to a train just to get to New Jersey, and it was still a pain in the ass, and it was impossible to get home – I think when you, when it's in a city like a Tampa or a Miami or um, a, a city that is really self, well self-contained, like in Atlanta or in New Orleans, that, uh, to use your phrases, I think when WrestleMania hits the best. But what we're going to hit right now is the signature segment here on the State of Combat Professional Wrestling Edition. It is the main event. This is the main event! Jack, when we're talking about what we want to watch versus what sometimes we need to watch for work or what we want to DVR and watch later. I think there's probably no better paradigm of that than the final moments of Raw and SmackDown uh, from this past week. And I want to start with SmackDown because I think I'm going to surprise some people with my take ultimately. But SmackDown on Friday ended uh, with WWE bringing back the dog food. Uh, it was Purina all over the damn place uh, in that ring. And basically, they took the Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin feud that we thought had ended at the Royal Rumble, finally, and continued it. They brought it back into the show. They made a six-man tag team main event with the Usos um, and the King's Court, for lack of a better term, Bobby Roode and Robert Roode, I'm sorry, and Dolph Ziggler. And they added a stipulation at the onset of the show where basically Roman Reigns said, hey, you know, the dog food's real funny you're a fetish guy, or I forgot the word he used. It was weird that he kept saying fetish like six times. You would think Paul Heyman wrote that, but he didn't. That's a Bruce Pritchard uh, thing to uh, that a hundred percent. It was just so, like, he kept hammering at home fetish guy or whatever the phrase was. It was really weird. But I basically, he introduced the stipulation that the loser would eat dog food. And the show ended with Baron Corbin, King Corbin, getting the comeuppance that a heel in a storyline like this, at least would deserve, which is getting absolutely doused in dog food by, Roman Reigns and the Usos. So there's two ways to think about this, Jack. Uh, one, it's juvenile. It's ridiculous. It's not serious pro wrestling like that we really want. And the other, which is kind of where I stand on this, is that despite me hating the storyline from the start and despite it going on far too long, that what happened Friday to close the show is classic professional wrestling. It is a little bit juvenile. It's a little bit funny. It depends how the people involved with the segment make it work, right? The Thanksgiving um, feast matches and the Christmas matches where it's just food fights, those to me are ridiculous. And it's, they're very Vince McMahon. He loves that. This, to me, is very pro wrestling. It was a heel, the ultimate heel, the guy who gets booed better than any well, anyone else in the country in the company, getting the ultimate, ultimate comeuppance from Roman Reigns, giving him the just desserts of the same thing he did to Reigns, handcuffing him behind the ring post. I thought Reigns and the Usos in particular did a really good job selling it as cool by posing with him, by uh, flinging the, the, the dog food at him, by having it be more than just, hey, we're using dog food to get a cheap pop. On top of that, I thought it came at the end of a match that was very good, a good six-man tag. So where I think this could have cratered and it could have been embarrassing and I would have sided with all those other people where, that I said, this is not wrestling this is not what wwe should be they got to take themselves more seriously as a longtime professional wrestling fan jack i smirked and i chuckled at a couple points of it 
And I thought Roman was extremely likable in this situation. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to tell me, Silver King, you have awful taste, you're wrong, or to agree with me and be right. No, it's like I'm in the middle. I don't have to like the I didn't like the dog food thing at the start. I, 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 I just didn't like it being used. It was too corny for me. Big dog, dog food. Ha ha, get it. And I yes, you're right. That is classic professional wrestling. Doesn't mean it has to be used in today's world, in 2020. That said, though, you can't argue that it was the perfect bookend to all of this, to the whole story. Like, that, both of those could be true. I hate the dog food. Didn't like it from the start. Didn't like it Friday. Good way to... It's sort of like, actually, it didn't begin the story. It kicked it, sort of kicked it into another gear going forward. Right. And it also ended the story with Corbin getting his come up inside Friday. But it, it was a good way to just end it all. And I think this, I know that that's the question on people's minds. Is this the end? I think it is because we'll get to this later. Roman is going to move on to a new challenger that I think people are going to be very happy with. And no, it's not the fiend, but Roman's going to move on for small program real quick for the next couple weeks and this was it and now we just have to look back at the whole baron corbin roman reigns thing and just i guess decide from here was it good bad and different in the middle what was it this is what i'll say though the baron corbin roman reigns feud was better than the baron corbin seth rollins feud yes if you look at it in its totality because what ultimately happened to rollins in that feud was he got totally toned down and weakened as champion. What and happened? the Becky partnership didn't help. And the be- Correct. And in this situation, you can only argue that Roman Reigns got strengthened. And I know that people will say, well, he still got booed at Royal Rumble. He got booed in the Royal Rumble match, which people don't want him to win because of, you know, what's happened in the past. And because they had Drew McIntyre in there making a run, he had already eliminated Lesnar. They had other people that they liked in that match. But separate from that, Earlier in the show, when Reigns got introduced for his match with Corbin, when he won that match with Corbin, and in every segment he's been involved in with Corbin, he's gotten fantastic cheers. And the crowd has really responded to him. So did it go on too long? Yes. Just Mm. as the one with Rollins did. Did I like the dog costume thing at the beginning? No. I forgot about that. I hated that. What I did like, though, was when they did Roman Reigns' entrance theme with the dog barking. I thought it was funny. It was a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing with at the big dog moniker, which gets so overused, right? So when the show started on Friday night and they both came out and they continued the storyline, I literally just was sitting there like, I cannot yeah. freaking believe they're going back to this. But by the end of the show, it made sense. The storyline, was it wrapped up at Royal Rumble? Reigns did get his win. He did. But you couldn't really put a book on that until Corbin suffered the same embarrassment that Reigns did, and they paid it off. And what you have to give WWE credit for, whether you liked it or didn't like it, is they are telling longer-term storylines, and they're thinking them through from start to finish. You you notice it on Raw, and we'll get to this later in the show, but with Andrade, rather than drop whatever they were doing, they figured out a way to keep doing it. Um, And they've done it, even with this Lana Rusev triangle, uh, there's, you know, love triangle, I guess it's five people now, whatever. Uh, they're figuring out ways to tell stories over longer terms. Now, are they doing a great job? In some cases, yes. In some cases, no. Yep. But, but the fact that they're trying to do it and realize that it's something that fans want, in my opinion, Jack, is a great first step. But what we're going to do is contrast that with the way Raw ended. 
which was a banger of a triple threat match between Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, and Ricochet, with Ricochet coming on out on top as the number one contender for the WWE Championship, which he's going to have at Blood Money in the Sand 5. Um, none of this is a su- surprise, really. We talked about this on the last show, maybe two shows ago. I don't know if it was both of us or if it was me that was just like, Ricochet makes so much sense to be his temporary opponent here to, to bridge the gap on the road to WrestleMania. But it works out, again, another example of WWE paying off a longer-term storyline with, you know, Ricochet trying to stand up to Brock, getting kicked in the in the balls, then, you know, delivering it back at Royal Rumble, now winning the number one contendership, and Brock just killing him at the end of that match after it was over. So I really like that storytelling, Jack. I also really enjoyed Bobby Lashley's promo in the backstage area because it told us two things. One, Bobby Lashley can be legitimate when you give him the opportunity. He can speak for himself. He doesn't need these stupid storylines. And two, it reminded me how the F have we gotten this deep into his return to WWE and still not seen Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley? Well, see, that's that, it's funny you say that because that, you led right into my point. I saw a lot of people, and yes, it happened. They were like, well, it's, it's almost obvious Ricochet's winning. I said, ah, not necessarily. We know Seth Rollins ain't winning this match. We know what's going to happen there. Kevin Owens going to cost him the match in some form or fashion. So we're down to Bobby Lashley and Ricochet. If my logic was, if they haven't done Bobby Brock by now, they have no intentions of doing a meaningful program with those two anytime in the near future. Saudi Arabia, all of them are throwaway shows. So I was like, look, yes, Ricochet can win. I get it. But. At the same time, this seems like the perfect show to just throw Bobby in there with Brock and say, look, we got it out of the way. Is everyone happy? That's why I was like, yeah, don't don't discount Bobby so much because they could just do this match really quick in Saudi, get it out of the way, put it in the record books and say, there, it happened. I, um, I do agree with you, though, that Lesnar-Lashley can happen at any time and they only need like two weeks of build. So any of these Saudi Arabia shows, if they want to pull that trigger, it creates a really good match that you can build up as two former MMA guys going head to head. The poster looks really good with those two guys next to each other. And you don't have to build it to the level where you need to rely on Lashley to sell the match from his end. Cause Lashley's yeah. a B side, you know, and, and even though Hame, uh, uh, Lesnar is an A side, Heyman's an A side on the mic. So it's very difficult to kind of get the right guy to go opposite Lesnar for a long term story. It works with Rollins. It worked with Finn Balor because the fans wanted it so bad. Uh, Roman Reigns, it didn't work because no one really bought into Roman Reigns. And that's kind of the same thing with Lashley. No one would really buy into Lashley if you built this for WrestleMania. But for a Saudi Arabia show, I think you're 100% right. It could work down the line for sure. That, yeah, that's why, like, I saw people, I was talking with our writer, Brett Brookhouse. We were just briefly talking about after the match was announced. And, you know, he, he said Ricochet. I was like, ah, I said, here's the, here's the window to just kind of do Bobby and Brock and just say, all right, it's done. Yeah. And because I, I also said, well, Ricochet, it, if you keep pushing this guy and work, you know, work out some of the kinks with him, specifically the microphone issue we have with him, you could really do a big time like SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, or even a WrestleMania program next year with Ricochet and Brock. I was like, maybe they don't want to. But no, ultimately, going with Ricochet for this match, it's great. We We know Brock's history with the smaller guys. It'll be a great match, probably about. I don't know, anywhere between seven and 10 minutes, yep. probably on the backside of that. So no, I, I think they made the right move. Yeah, I do too. It, it works really well. Um, you know, he's not in a major program. You don't want to feed Lesnar 
Alistair Black or Andrade or Murphy or any of these other guys that you're trying to build. Nah, and, not yet. And it's not to say that they're not trying to build Ricochet, but Ricochet, out of anyone, can rebound from a loss to Lesnar. Yeah, I think it's not Adam, a big deal. Really quick, Ricochet is a guy that they see as no matter what happens to him, especially how they give him the superhero moniker. Right. No matter what they do with him, they can always bounce back with him because he's always going to wow the people. All it takes is one match. Just like, like all it took was that triple threat for you to go, oh, he's a legit contender. Yeah. And even though you know he's good, uh, but if you remember the promo from a couple weeks ago, you're like, oh, eh, I don't really want to see this. Maybe I don't want to see this guy, you know? Uh, now, a lot of people were angry on Twitter, as Twitter tends to be, that Ricochet just got annihilated right at the end of that match. And even Xavier Woods tweeted, like, my man doesn't even get a second. Like, to celebrate. Now, I'm, I'm a believer that when someone wins a number one contendership or wins a title, you do have to give them a second. Like, you, you do need to give them five seconds to pump their fist and be like, yeah, man, like, I did it. Like, and get the crowd going, right? They didn't do that in this case. Lesnar ran out and just annihilated him with an F5. I don't have a problem with it, though, Jack, because Lesnar is that type of guy. He, he doesn't want uh, the, that- the competition. And on top of it, he sees someone that is his next challenger, and he does what he always does. He gets aggressive and eliminates them. Well, that's people, – people really – they drastically missed the point here. Brock Lesnar didn't beeline it out there and beat up Ricochet because, well, he was just so excited to beat up Ricochet. I don't get it, and we've been doing this for, oh, God, months now. There is an 11 p.m. deadline to get that show over with. When Brock ran out, it was on the opposite end of 10.59 p.m. So someone told him, oh, crap, you got to get out there and do this real quick. But even if it wasn't, it was still fine. But he, but still, like, that's that's where people are missing the point, because I've seen people say, I'm like, no, it was that they were going to cut the show off the air and no one was going to see it. And this isn't the first time they've run into that issue. That's- it's become a problem. And for these guys that are professional producers, how they haven't figured out how to time this yet is beyond me. You are definitely right about that. But even if that wasn't the case, if there was a minute and a half left in the show, if you have Ricochet out there parading around for 20 seconds and then Lesnar runs out, then the crowd here starts, you know, making noise and Ricochet turns around. Like as a human being, you would be like, what the hell is happening right now? Right. So for that, it to be that sudden and that unexpected. It's a dastardly heel move. He took a guy that just got his ass kicked in this match, just hit a 630. A little guy, too. A, a tiny guy, and just F5s the hell out of him because he hates him. He hates Ricochet because he kicked him in the balls, he and he got ball. him eliminated from the Royal Rumble. What, what's so hard to understand about that? Like, Brock is not a tough guy, the character, to understand. He hates this dude, and and Heyman is a very smart manager or advocate and sent his guy out there to eliminate the competition. Yeah. What's the problem? No, yeah, people, they, but you know what, you know what I think, it, it's like now, it's funny watching people react to Brock Lesnar in the present time. Yeah. Because now they're just nitpicking ways. Agreed. We want Brock around all the time when he's a champion. Brock's been on every freaking <laughs> rock. He's there all the time now. Yeah. The, <laughs> Brock put over how many guys in that Royal Rumble match? Yep. Like, I, I understand, like, he was booked to be dominant, but as he was doing that, how many guys did he put over? Yet people's, now they're just nitpicking. Now you're telling on yourselves. And basically. that's, and that's the thing, too. Raw's so good that you're watching Raw and you're like, oh, man, well, I have nothing to complain about. 
oh, good. It was only it was only one second. Like even me, and and I'll I'll, I'll give myself an X on this one. Um, but I was like, this show started right, and the Orton thing was fine. We'll talk about it. But Lana and um, Liv Morgan, they were like two major production errors in that match. And the yeah. first thing I did was jump on Twitter and be like, what the hell is going on? Where's production like here? Was that necessary for me to tweet? No, it really wasn't. It was obviously a mistake. And like I, it's I enjoy Raw so much that am I looking for things to say that this wasn't great, this wasn't perfect, therefore Raw sucked. I mean, that's kind of like the to be candid, that's the mentality BC had a little bit, which was there are a couple things on this three hour show I don't like, so the episode wasn't great. No, Monday Night's Raw this week was a great episode, and a large yeah. reason, and a large reason for that, Jack. We don't really have another spot in the show to praise them. That freaking Salt Lake City crowd. Holy cow. Just straight up, I'm going to give you a big dog for that. Big dog. They deserved the credit that WWE gave them on broadcast. Now, there's two separate things here. Well, well, let me, let me, yeah, I'm getting to that. There's two separate things here. One is me and you and fans and everyone else saying, hey, that crowd was awesome. They were totally engaged. They were a great crowd. What turned me off was WWE four times or five times during that broadcast being like, Hey, everyone, all the people here tonight basically risked their lives to get here. Yes. So let's there. praise them. What they should have said was thanks to the city of Salt Lake City or the, the governor or the cops or whoever for ensuring that this awesome crowd could be here tonight. Instead, they were saying the WWE universe is so strong. They braved the weather to get here. That's not that's not untrue. You can give them credit for that. That's these, fine. These but, parents risk not only their lives, but their kids' lives. Yeah. To come to a wrestling show. And, and, like, the crowd was awesome. So it worked out. You know what I mean? Like, that crowd really wanted to be there. I don't know if it was because of the weather. And I don't know what's been going on in Salt Lake City. If people have been stuck indoors and they really wanted that. But that crowd, to me, said, bring a pay-per-view to Salt Lake City. Because that was as good as a Chicago crowd. with way, yeah, way perfect. Way less smarky. You know what I mean? That was as good as any major city crowd that I've seen with a Raw in a long time. Yeah, last night was a, was a great show. I'll agree, and the crowd had a lot. To, I I beat the dead horse here on this show. The, the fans are just as important as the wrestlers, the producers, yep. Vince McMahon. They're as important to making a great wrestling show as all of those people. Yep. And those Salt Lake City fans, those psychopaths that drove in that stuff. Because look, where I am, I deal with that all the time. And I can tell you this: our arena where we have Round SmackDown is literally, well, now since we moved, ten minutes down the highway. If we have a snowstorm of that capacity, which we get all the time, I'm not going. <laughs> I'm staying home. I'm yeah. not. I'm not going. Yeah, I, but I, they did, and they made the most of their experience. They really did, and it was just it was impressive, and it also went to show something that uh, I think maybe I more than even you started talking about in October, November, which was there were a few weeks where Raw was very low energy, and yeah. while while Paul Heyman started putting forward and developing new stars. And something that you and I talked about extensively was once the once Paul Heyman and WWE teach the fans that we are going to be giving you good matches. We're going to be giving you new stars that you can sink your teeth into. They will start buying into it. You can't go from 0 to 100. You have to take those baby steps. And what did we see? We saw Buddy Murphy, Humberto Carrillo, um even Angel Garza who we'll talk about that later who just showed up um, but we've seen Andrade, Alistair Black. These guys are getting big reactions from the crowd that they were not getting two months ago. 
and oh. Paul Heyman, the creative team, the writers, and WWE deserve a lot of credit for that, for uh, for all of that. As we move on here, um, we have a couple other parts of this main event, Jack, but I did want to take a very brief and quick look at Blood Money in the Sand 5, WWE Super Showdown, since that is the next pay-per-view. We already mentioned Brock Lesnar and Ricochet. I don't know if that's going to be the main event. I don't think it is. We'll talk about why in a second. I'll allow you that opportunity. Um, but there's four matches or three matches already on this card. And I think there's a likely fourth, which we're going to talk about. But Lesnar, Ricochet, uh, they already announced the SmackDown Tag Team Championships between New Day against Miz and Morrison, which I think is the right match and a good match to be on this card. Um, and then we got a little, not even a vignette, but a little advertisement Monday night. That Goldberg is going to be yeah. on SmackDown Friday. And I think anyone with two brain cells knows <laughs> that the result of that is going to be Goldberg wrestling at Super Showdown for another Saudi Arabia paycheck. Yeah. But Jack, why don't you tell our listeners why it may be a little different this time? Because he's good. This there's only one option for this opponent for Goldberg. They're they're brilliant. It's Roman. Do the Roman match. It's got teased at the Hall of Fame when Bill was inducted. What was it two years ago? Um, there it's the only option. Just do the Roman match, and Bill will put him over because number one, that paycheck is going to be who knows how much. You know, he'll do it. So that's the only option. And plus, it's good because we, yes, we do fully understand we're going to get Roman Reigns, Bray Wyatt, probably in the main event of WrestleMania, unless Drew McIntyre continues to, then they might change. But that's likely the main event right now in Tampa. But you cannot risk, especially with the way people get, seem to get tired quick of the Fiend's antics. You can't have a two-month back and forth with him and Roman. Yes. You can't do that. So you spend the next few weeks, have Bill come out on Friday, the end of the show, and just have Bill say, I want Roman. And, you know, I want to test myself against the best. And have Roman come out and say, big dog, boo, 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 yeah, boo, woo. And then let's roll with that. Yeah, I, I think it's 100% the match. Um, I totally agree that Goldberg would and will put Reigns over if and when it is booked. My minor concern is, you know, Goldberg can't go, like, long. Right. He gets tired. He's older. Fair. You know, he's, he's older. Um, so I don't really know how that match gets booked because while Roman beating Goldberg is good booking and helps his prestige on the way to WrestleMania, helps build up this character who has, has been knocked down a couple times, beating him in five minutes. It's going to be tough. That's a squash and that won't get booed there. Not in Saudi, but it may get booed the following night. Because don't forget the show's on Thursday, Friday night, 20, less than 24 hours later, especially because of the, I don't even know how the time difference works. But shortly thereafter, uh, back in the United States, um, Rome now has to face the American audience. So I, they need to really tread carefully on that. But I do agree with you that that is going to be the booking. I also think that WWE should be keeping The Fiend completely off television until that Friday after Super Showdown. I don't, yeah. don't want to see him. Because then, then we only, because that's the 27th. Five so weeks, then, six weeks, five weeks. Or at, wait, sh- ah, crap. At, they advertised the Firefly Funhouse this week. Okay, fine. If that's the case, do it and don't make mention to an opponent. Keep it very general. Like old school vignette. Well, actually, know? no, because I do think, I'm sorry. Let me, because I think a match we're missing on here. I do believe those were, I think we're going to get Fiend Kane. 
Oh, at Super over Showdown. there. I think, yeah, you know what? We're missing that. I do think we're going to have Bray defended against Kane. Kane's going to come back in defense of Brian again. Blah, blah, blah. He's going to, I think we're going to get Kane fiend over uh, there too. I wouldn't. All right. That, that, that puts a hole in my suggestion yeah, yeah, so yeah. for sure. But, but, but by having him go with a guy like Kane, if they do do that, it separates it from, yeah, we're good main as roster, long as, you know, as long as Bray doesn't mention Roman and right. Roman, we're good. That's what and I'm saying. Don't start the, the feud. No. Don't start the freaking feud. That's basically what I'm trying yes. to say. Keep them separate. Make it general. If you want to do with Kane, where Kane gets in the funhouse somehow, I don't care. That's all fine. But yes, keep them separated. Uh, not to uh, drop that <laughs> song, but um, yeah, do that. That that that's the move that they have to do. The last point here. So blood money in the sand for Jack. We got a women's match. It was rushed. It was last minute. Natalia against Lacey Evans, both in oversized t-shirts. That forget it, forget about showing curves. They didn't look like humans. They just looked like colored blobs, like one red, one blue, or whatever colors they were wearing. Um, I think there's going to be a women's match at the show. There has to be, and I think it's going to be Becky Lynch, Oscar. I uh, it's 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 curious because I I was a little surprised that for not much of a good reason, WWE went ahead and just gave us this rematch for next week. When Asuka lost clean, didn't deserve it, and just kind of challenged Becky. Why did she challenge Becky? Now, obviously, she may have said some reasons in Japanese. They didn't tell us <laughs> why, which I don't, yeah. I like her speaking Japanese and yelling on broadcast, but you gotta make believe King, King, we, we, we King need or our Byron. Good man Chris, yeah. We need our good man Chris Charlton from the New Japan broadcast to do those translations make, like he does for, make for believe, them. Make believe someone there knows Japanese and just have Byron say, well, you know, Tom, Asuka just said X, Y, Z. Like, you don't even have to translate word for word. Just tell us what the, what the hell she's saying, what the promo is about. Um, so they got this rematch, and it's just like, why? Um, I, I guess my thought, my expectation is that either there's an interference by Becky's future WrestleMania opponent, or she taps Asuka out. And if she taps Asuka out, that is now the women's tag team champion losing two matches in a row to Becky, which I'm not going to get up in arms about like everyone else, but at the same time is not the best look for Asuka, let's say. Ooh, buddy. I don't know about Becky Lynch and Asuka. I actually don't know about anyone, but what I do know is to answer the question, they have to have a women's match on this show or else you run the risk of doing everything you did in the last Saudi show back in October on Halloween on Halloween of it was just for show. It was just for PR. You cannot promote that as being the leader of a change. And then the very next show, it's completely absent. Yeah. So you have no choice. You have to do this or you look like I mean, look. WWE doesn't care if they look like idiots. We've learned that in our years. But in this sense, you you simply cannot do that. You can't you can't pull your pace down like that. Yeah, it's it's already such a despicable agreement, you know, between WWE and Saudi that you need all the positive yeah, vibes like you, that you, you can get. Anything like if they could pull off Becky and Oscar for a title, and by the way, Oscar could not wear what she normally wears in the ring uh, in that match. But if they pulled that off and made it a good match. Then we're talking. Then it's like, it doesn't really change my, my thought on the geopolitical aspects of, of this deal, uh, or what WWE is doing from a corporate standpoint. But 
it at least says to me like, hey, you know, they they really meant this and they're going to get women's wrestling on regularly there, which is cool, which is a nice thing. But if they just go out with like Liv Morgan Lana 3 and they're completely covered head to toe in you know, uh, T-shirts, they might. it's just completely worthless for me. So, um, you know, that's kind of where I think we're headed with this Blood Money in the Sand 5, Jack. And, you know, we also got a DM. This was a couple days ago, a couple weeks ago. I'm sorry, a couple weeks ago. And I forgot to read it, and I don't have it in front of me, but I'm going to ask you the gist of it, which is we were asked, or I actually specifically was asked, you know, Silver King, you said that one of the bad things about WWE programming over the course of a 12-month period are these Saudi shows, because they interrupt the regular flow of the storylines. They force WWE to start doing two things at once. The storylines get convoluted. It gets very confusing. Um... And what we talked a lot about in the past, Brian and I, in previous shows, is that they did it so close to WrestleMania or so close to a SummerSlam or a Survivor Series where major pay-per-views where afterward, coming usually coming after, sometimes before, where it drastically hurt the product, the regular product that us American fans are watching. And the question was basically, instead of doing this one after WrestleMania, they're doing it before WrestleMania and whether we have the same concerns about it. And... My answer would normally be, Jack, yes, that I would have the same concerns because these shows interrupt everything. But I think the really smart thing that WWE did in this particular instance, and I don't want them to do this twice a year, but once a year I'm okay with it, is they made this the February main roster pay-per-view. There's nothing wrong with these matches. Brock Brock Lesnar Ricochet is a real match. New Day Ms. Morrison is a real match. If we get Goldberg Reigns, that could have happened at any SummerSlam Survivor Series type of pay-per-view, that's fine. Other regular title matches, if we get those, that's fine. If they do some special type of tournament or a Royal Rumble or whatever the hell they're going to do, that's a throwaway anyway. So as long as you treat this like a real show, I'm not going to like where it is. I'm not going to like that it's on a Thursday afternoon, but I will at least watch it because it's going to matter to me as a follower of WWE. Yeah. I actually, I don't have a problem with this. I like this better than the standard Royal Rumble to Elimination Chamber to Fastlane. I'm okay that they just told Fastlane to bounce, moved Elimination Chamber back a little bit, and are just doing this token show that's going to give us, you know, just, again, like a mixture of stuff that's, that matters to the present storylines and stuff that is just one-offs like a Roman Reigns versus Goldberg that don't really mean something in the grand scheme of things. Because sometimes when you when they were trying to book the road to WrestleMania between Elimination Chamber and Fastlane, that's where you run into some of the booking issues. Because, like, you are trying to go from one of the, the second biggest pay-per-view of the year in Royal Rumble to the largest pay-per-view of the year in WrestleMania. In between, you're trying to sandwich two pay-per-view shows. I would rather do this than go back to that format. If they wanted to do it, like just something in the middle to sink your teeth into as you're waiting for WrestleMania, fine. Because it gives us the option, Adam, of doing this monster stadium Saudi Arabia show. And instead of trying to figure out, like I said before, how to do the Roman Reigns versus the Fiend program for two damn months. Now you could waste a little time by throwing Roman in there with Goldberg and presumably the Fiend in there with Kane. Well, the the Becky Lynch-Ronda Rousey storyline last year is a perfect example. 
because they yes. ran out of things to do. Now, they had the end, the 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 incident where they all got arrested and yeah. all, all that crazy stuff was going on, right? But the Vince McMahon and the Stephanie stuff and Becky being suspended but not being suspended, but then while she's suspended, she runs Ronda in. Suspe- Ronda was suspended too. Ronda, yeah, like, like it just got so freaking convoluted that it took what should have been a piping hot storyline in a huge news-making main event and cooled yeah. it down in a significant manner. Every, really what it was, Jack, is you have to remember when they first did the brand split, I forgot the year, 2015 or 2016, something like that. 16. 16. They did separate pay-per-views at that time. And they were yeah. doing two per month, but some months not. It was weird. But when they were doing that, it was okay because they had the brands specified and they had certain matches they needed on each show. Once they combined the pay-per-views again and they had to wrestle at both shows, Fast, uh, Fast Lane and what's the, what was the other one? Elimination Chamber. Elimination Chamber. And sometimes there was a third, uh, depending on how the dates worked out. It just got to be way too much and expecting to have two title matches for one and none for Lesnar because he's waiting. It, it just got crazy. So the fact that, like you said, they have this now is great. The fact that they can use Elimination Chamber either to name the other number one contender or put the title on the line in a match and maybe shake things up right before WrestleMania, especially the SmackDown Women's Championship. I wouldn't mind seeing some new machinations with that. Oh, um, God, yeah. It excites me that they are going in this direction, despite me not liking the Saudi show. It shows foresight to me because they originally had a February pay-per-view scheduled separate from this, and they're not rolling with it. That, to me, speaks to they figured out, you know what? Let's do a takeover as our main show this month. Let's do Worlds Collide and Royal Rumble, even though I didn't love it. I wish I do like the takeover and pay-per-view on the same weekend when it's Mm -hmm. a really big show. They thought that through well in advance. And I think it's going to pay off for them in the long run on, on the storyline booking on the road to WrestleMania. We have a lot of show left. Before we get to it, folks, you know what we have to do here? A quick word is coming up from our friends and sponsors. All right, Jack, we're back at it here. Uh, a couple more pieces of main event before we get to Hero or Zero. One of them is the women's division in WWE. I find it very interesting that... Over the last few weeks, dating back to kind of even a little bit before the Royal Rumble, we're seeing some reinforcements come in as we roll up to WrestleMania. And we already kind of discussed what hap- what's happening with Becky Lynch and Asuka, Becky's opponent for WrestleMania TBD. I still think it's going to be Shayna Baszler. But this is what we've seen over the last few weeks. Monday night, we saw Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley stand off. We will talk about that separately off the top <laughs> because you and I nailed that one. Uh, we've seen Liv Morgan get... Two matches, two wins over Lana. We've seen Ruby Riot return and tack Liv Morgan. We're seeing Naomi re-debut, not re-debut, return, uh, and now kind of step into a main event situation with which, Bailey, which is interesting. Naomi was the most important one. I'll get to I, why. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, <sighs> we also have Nia Jax, who's still out there, and everyone's waiting for her. We know she's training and that she's, I don't say this uh, to say that how she looked prior was not good but slimmed down apparently significantly, maybe a refreshed character, excited to see what happens with Nia Jax. Over in NXT, they didn't just debut Shotzi Blackheart. They're giving her a huge push right out of the gate. That tank entrance was awesome. And we still potentially have Shayna Baszler and or Ronda Rousey that could insert themselves here over the next few months. Jack, the women's division in WWE had been... Pretty, 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 pretty boring, all right, as of late. 
And all of a sudden, we're seeing kind of Lacey Evans get shoved aside. Carmella, yep. you're not getting a lot of TV time. And what are we seeing? All the people I just mentioned, we're seeing Fire and Desire. We're seeing Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. This women's division is freaking loaded, and I'm really excited for what's going to happen. And like I was saying, Naomi is the most I, – I understand she's not the biggest name, but her push was the most significant because when she came out on Friday to face off with Bailey, that was WWE capitalizing on a moment they needed to. Because when she debuted at the Royal Rumble, or the debut, sorry, when hey, we she both returned, did it. we both just did it. Yeah, that's weird. When she returned at the Royal Rumble, she went viral, but not with wrestling fans. She went viral with non-wrestling fans, many of whom I saw tweets from saying, "I don't watch wrestling, but now I'm going to." If you're WWE and you watch that, you go, hold on a second. Tell Naomi to come here for come here for a minute because we got some plans. Because yeah. you have to jump. You strike while the eye. I mean, I saw hundreds of tweets from yeah, people. I know. She, I, so the, it, any sort of, you don't have to be a smart business person to realize, hey, we got to jump on that, jump on that right now. Maybe they, even to the extent of if they planned Bailey versus Sasha for WrestleMania, you even sit back and go, wait a minute, let's see how far we could carry this Naomi stuff, and maybe let's do Naomi Bailey instead. You could and plans change. It happens. You could also do a triple threat, which you is fine. Yeah. Um, there's a million things you can do. You're right. I, I saw this kind of transcend wrestling, her, her mm -hmm. return. Um, and the one thing I want to give Naomi a lot of credit for, and the Usos as well, it's both of them. Every time they return after a layoff, no matter what the reason, if it's a bad reason, if it's an injury, if it's a good reason, vacation, whatever, they're different. They come back with a tweaked character. And it's something that Chris Jericho has mastered. Uh, more for him, it's the phases of his career. More so than like taking, you know, a few weeks off and coming back. Um, but the Usos, even this time when they came back, it was a slightly different look. Shorter hair, you know, different facial hair. Everything was a little different. Naomi coming back with the afro out. With the, uh, I forgot what the uh, the DJ's name is that wears that stupid helmet, the disco ball helmet, but a similar type of you know headgear. The marshmallow guy. Well, there's no, no, that's the marshmallow guy, but there's a guy who does like lights, and he's like a really famous DJ. But oh god, I don't. Don't know. even tweet me, people, because I don't, I don't care. <laughs> it's it's worthless. But but DJs with helmets and big heads are like a thing apparently, and for EDM and all this crap. Um, but so her coming, but my point is, it was unique. It was different. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, Naomi looks really cool. And I always think Naomi's been overrated, like forever. She's extremely athletic. She's good in the ring. She has great facial expressions. She can cut a damn promo. And she's awesome to watch wrestle and be part of a program. When she won that title of WrestleMania, Jack, yeah, it was Orlando. Yeah, they built it up a little bit that she was the hometown girl. It didn't matter. Fans really freaking liked her because she's so likable, right? And to inject her into this boring as all hell SmackDown women's title picture, when you refuse to pick out Mandy Rose or you refuse to give maybe Nikki Cross her own opportunity and you're just kind of stuck in this rut, they needed a single women's face so bad. Lacey Evans was not it. I told you that for months. She's not really anything for me. Naomi is. She has that factor, if I can find it. It. She has that. It. Factor. Um... And I was absolutely thrilled to see her get that opportunity. I don't know what it's going to mean, like you just kind of suggested, Jack, for WrestleMania or going forward, but I'm really excited to see what does happen. And I do think that even if she's not in that title match, maybe she wins the women's um, women's uh, battle royal or gets another big featured moment at the show because 
you do have to capitalize on that. But going back, I, I, I listed a bunch of things that happened. The Rhea Ripley Charlotte Flair thing. I said earlier <laughs> I didn't want to give myself the Barry Horowitz. I'm going to give both of us the Barry Horowitz pat on the back right here. Uh, we we nailed this. Um, it's clearly going to happen. They're not going to tease this and then not deliver on it. I do question Charlotte showing up. I mean, sorry, Rhea Ripley showing up on Raw and then them advertising it for NXT. I get it. They want to get the main roster fan to watch NXT. It's going head to head with AEW. But when Balor showed up and surprised and then the invasion kind of happened, they didn't name who was going to be there. They just said that main roster stars were going to be there. I think that's enough. And had Rhea finished a match on NXT and Charlotte Flair's freaking music hit, people are changing that channel. People are going nuts. That's a big NXT moment. Now for that to have already happened on Raw and for us to just know it's coming on on NXT, it's just a little flat for me. Do you agree with that or no? Not necessarily, because I still think that there's room here to kind of swerve the fans. And I think some fans buy into it, too. Um, where you can have, like, do Charlotte, you know, catch catch some ratings for yourself on Wednesday. Have her show up. But have her tell Rhea no. Just flat out no. Make her feel, you know, you're at good for, I've done this before. Get out, maybe have her heal up with the, the full sale crowd and say, no. I like that. Like, yeah, just say, no. Then in Portland, like I said a few weeks ago, have her beat Bianca. And to close the show, when Triple H is that infamous thing where he, they put the lower third on and they make you think the show is over. Charlotte comes through the crowd, down the ramp, beats the piss out oh, of Rhea. So wait, I just want to make, I just want to clarify. So you want that to main event over? If you're going to do the Charlotte thing, you'd have to. I think you can do it at any time. And if you don't, if you don't plan on doing the title change with Champa and Cole, which I don't think they do, I think, I because I think Champa. I'm going to pause you on that. And, I'm going to pause you on that. We're going to talk later. Let's hold that. Keep talking, Flair. Yeah, sorry, but you just have Charlotte show up, beat the piss out of Rhea to close the show. I think it's interesting. I, I I just it's tough for me to imagine that match, despite if even if that's their booking, main eventing over both of those men's matches. Not because it's men's versus women's, but Balor Gargano is now a grudge match. Champa Cole is the match everyone wants to see because Champa never lost the title. It, it's tough for me to see a Bel Air Ripley match where there, there's not going to be a title change. Main event the show. I, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe if, you're, maybe you're right. Well, that, that would depend. I mean, they could do it in the middle of the show too. Of course, of course they can. Yeah, but I think it would work better because I think Charlotte is a big enough star. Where yeah, you could you could say, well, why did it main event? It's like because like this is Charlotte Flair. I also like that. I also like the, the idea of her either saying maybe or turning her down or whatever the case. Kind of helping Bel Air in like a distraction type of situation where like Flair's in the ring and Ripley's like walking down the ramp. She says something to her, and then Belair comes and attacks her from behind, and Charlotte like laughs as she walks out of there. Yeah. That that could be really good too. So I do think there are ways to make it work, uh, but ultimately, this will be the match. I, I think there's no doubt in my mind. Anything with Flair and Bailey is old and tired. I don't want it, and, and I don't want Becky. And I don't it's want just, Becky. I don't want them. No one does. No one does. And I think WWE is being really smart here again. And the underrated part of it, Adam, too, is. It, there's that genuine intrigue that you don't get a lot because now you're us as fans, even us, the, the fans that know the workings of the business. Now we're asking ourselves, so wait a minute, is Charlotte Flair going to put over Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania? Or wait is, a minute, or is, is Charlotte, Charlotte Flair going to go to NXT? Yes. What the hell? 
I enjoy that a million times more than I would. Okay, here's Charlotte and Becky yeah, again. All I, right, I here's actually, Charlotte and Bailey again. You're, you're right. I actually enter that match not knowing what's going to happen. Because you, yeah. you give me Becky Lynch and Shayna Baszler, I know Baszler's going to win that match, right? You give me uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks, I know Sasha Banks is going to win that match. Now, maybe they don't. It's possible. But going in, I think I know. Just yeah. like this year's WrestleMania, we knew Becky was going to win. We knew Kofi was going to win. We had a feeling Seth would win. And they basically all happened, right? Pretty much the only result that screwed us was Drew over Roman. Right. I thought, oh, man, they should have. They... By the way, by the way, Jack, even more proof today. They should have had Drew beat Roman. Correct. Yeah, that was. Look, we admit when they make mistakes, like we praise them. I don't care what anyone says. You could like when people ask me, Jack, name your top. I'd say if they said 15 WrestleMania booking mistakes. Yeah. Somewhere in there, I would say Drew McIntyre not going over Roman Reigns. I, I, I booked that territory. For like three months leading into Mania, uh, as soon as they announced the match, as soon as Roman came back, I basically said, you guys have to have this guy lose everything. Hit rock freaking bottom and build him back up. And guess what? He'd be even stronger now. And Drew would be even stronger now. Had that happened. I'm I'm going to win. I beat Roman Reigns last year. I'm going to beat you this year. It would have done so good for that character. But if Drew had been pushed then. On on the let's who, do the who knows you know hindsight twenty yeah I'm saying let's kind of give the other side if if Drew had been pushed then and it didn't work maybe then where are we sitting now maybe he exactly, doesn't have this opportunity yeah. so it is difficult to kind of to compute but um Shotzi Blackheart and the tank two thumbs up we don't need to spend time Ruby Riot returning uh and attacking Liv Morgan Jack I did like it I thought Liv it, acted it's well a great story I thought Liv was good in the match I thought Ruby did a good job only thing I didn't like. Was Lana still being there? Yes. It kind of made me feel before that, before I saw her, oh, they're moving on. This is really cool. This is a good TV storyline to take up some time. But Lana was there, and she continued attacking her. We haven't seen Rusev in two weeks. Lashley just lost a match. Is this not going to end until a mixed tag at Mania? What's happening? I, I will stab myself in the eye. I swear. I was thinking this last night. Do not let Ruby Riot be a hired gun for Lana. Because the story is simple. Ruby got injured. Now, all of a sudden, everyone's talking about Liv Morgan. Exactly. And then Liv goes and changes herself. Now, all you have to do is have Ruby come out in the microphone and say, who the hell do you think you are? Like, I made you. You were my little disciple. Who are you to think that you're some kind of superstar? It, it's as simple as that. She doesn't have to be some hired gun for Lana. I'm, I'm hoping that that was just Lana being a chicken crap heel. Just picking up the the bones where she could, and yeah. like eh, that's it. And that's fine if they want to continue the storyline with Rusev and Lashley and all them. That's fine, but let's get Liv Morgan out of it. Yeah, let's take let's her take up. her and Ruby, separate them, and let the other three continue. One more match, like please end it. Like just I don't know what I don't know what the climax is going to be because it's been stretched out so long that there's been so many climaxes. That, yeah, no. I just like like they had the mixed tag, they had the singles matches, they they had. The tables match. And Rusev beat him at the pay-per-view. I see. I can't even remember. I thought Lashley Lashley put Rusev through the table. Yeah. All right. Lashley put – and Rusev won the match on Raw. It's just like uh, this this feud and this storyline, people have hated it. I have not totally hated it. But it's going nowhere. And they got to deliver. Like with Reigns and Corbin – Hated Reigns Corbin, or didn't didn't like it very much, I should say, is, is better. But they gave us a finish. Just end this. Give us a finish. Let's get yeah. let's move on with our lives. On that note, I want to do a quick check-in before we move to Hero Zero, Jack. 
with WrestleMania 36. Um, we have seen this Rollins group that still doesn't have a name. WWE finally creates a faction and doesn't give it a name. Uh, against Owens and his team of misfits, the Viking Raiders sometimes, Aleister Black sometimes, Samoa Joe, now he's hurt. Um, you know, who the hell knows what's happening. But is the climax of this angle, speaking of that, and to use that word again, is it just building to Rollins-Owens at Mania? Is there anything else that's going to happen here? It's got to be Rollins-Owens at Mania. Uh, but then what do you, What happens with Joe? When he's Because I, I assume if it's just a concussion, he'll be cleared for WrestleMania if he just docked himself a little bit. It's just weird because I could have seen them building the tag team title match for Mania. That's a good I think I still think they're going to do that. I still think but we're going to do that. But they I, just had the match on Raw. I, no, I still think somehow AOP's getting those titles on them. Somehow. I don't. Oh, Adam, don't I, they're getting those. I, or the other way around. Or the Viking Raiders are getting. And then we're going to do the. Uh, look, just one way or another, give me the beefy boys against each other in Tampa you need for a, the tag team. You titles. need a lot of meat slapping. At that, I, that's I just need those four men to just butt heads in the middle of that ring. That's all I want. Yeah, I'm just really curious. It does seem like they have a plan, so I'm going to trust it. It's been fine so far. But it is weird that you have Murphy involved. Who would he match up with? Rollins-Owens makes the most sense. They're the two quote-unquote leaders, right? But what do you do with everyone else in those matches? They now have the tag team titles. Had they kept them to Mania to go against Owens and Joe, that's four really great wrestlers in a match. That's great, but then you're sacrificing all the tag teams on your show. So I just don't know exactly what they're going to do here. It's really weird. Problem problem is, I would, like, at any other... 364 days out of the year, I would bu- I would absolutely 100% buy into a Samoa Joe versus Buddy Murphy match. Absolutely. I'm just not sure if that's WrestleMania worthy at this time with this one. It's not worthy of that spot right now. I agree. Maybe maybe just, we get it. Maybe we get it at Elimination Chamber. Oh. But yeah, WrestleMania, Owens Rollins, AOP Viking Raiders for the tag team titles. I think that's it. And then just Joe and Murphy, it's just the, I don't, the wild cards. Or uh, they're in the, um, they're in the Royal battle Royal battle or, or the, on some kind of us title match. I, I don't know by me, but they're, they're not Hispanic. So I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll get, I don't know. If, we will talk soon about out there. We will talk soon about the Luchador us title, <laughs> which they should just rename it at this point. It's really funny. Uh, Orton attacked edge, obviously two weeks ago on raw this past week. He was set to open the show and give an explanation. Didn't say anything. I was fine with it. Some people were kind of just like, they felt bait and switched almost that they were going to get some resolution. It's, we got so much time. Edge is not there. Um, I thought it was really good heel work by Orton. The crowd took a little bit to like understand that he wasn't going to speak, but once they started booing him, it was perfect. No, perfect. It once again showed by Randy's an all time great. He played, played it perfectly, played his role perfectly. He's, he's just the greatest piece of crap that business <laughs> has ever seen. Just, it's, God, he's just so, good at it and i had no problem with him just saying i can't do this and walking out after doing the roman reigns like soak it soak it in soak it in soak it in and then just a few words and out of there so we also saw on friday braun Strowman win the intercontinental championship which was really interesting to me because it seemed like this had been pegged for consecutive pay-per-views didn't happen then they put it on smackdown jack and i know why it wasn't in the main event they did the roman reigns dog food thing whatever but if you're gonna have a singles match like this in the main event of a show, and it's Braun Strowman, who is over as all hell, right? Or even next week, you're going to have Becky Lynch, who is over as all hell. How are these not main events? 
How is the Intercontinental title it should a 9 p.m. match? That was, ve- by the way, really good match. Great job by Braun Strowman. Good job by Sami Zayn. Great job by Shinsuke Nakamura for me. But how are you just throwing that out in the middle of the show with no advertising until just before it on Super Bowl weekend versus just promoting it as such and saying, on the Super Bowl edition, Super SmackDown, yeah. the Intercontinental title will be defended. It felt like a huge miss for me. That said, Strowman winning the title, pretty awesome. I have and, no idea what they're going to do on the road to WrestleMania, though. Because I, I thought the same thing. It was it, that the fans were genuinely into the moment of Braun finally getting a singles title. Yeah. That would have been the per- him posing with the, and his genuine emotion, too. Like, he wasn't acting. That was his genuine emotion to, oh, my God, I finally did it. They, like, they, they finally put something on. After, after, how many times did we say, yeah, they got to put the Universal title on Braun? They don't. Okay, they got to do it now. They don't. But he, he gets the Intercontinental title, which longtime wrestling fans like us still hold in prestige. Absolutely. We still do. And so it was, I was happy for him. And him, clo- like, closing the show, like you said, Super Bowl weekend, you got this promotion with Fox, Braun... Uh, uh, on the corner, holding up the belt. Perfect way to go off the air. Yeah. Instead, you know, we get the dog food thing, which we already touched on. I also, I like it because it, and this is not an, I love Shinsuke Nakamura, but putting the Intercontinental title on Braun Strowman has the potential to add a little bit of legitimacy to it going forward. I... Because he's the unstoppable monster. So now if you can properly book, which is the key phrase here, if you could properly book all these guys trying to take down the monster for his title and they can't do it, can't do it. And you, you, you eventually start building up this question of who could beat Braun for the intercontinental title. You have something on your hands. I just hate that. And I wish I could curse on this show, but we <sighs> always have to effing worry about improving the legitimacy of it's, the effing yes. intercontinental effing title it's it was the company's number two championship and if at some point you say okay well they created the universal so it has to be three that's fine and look it's the company's number three title it needs to be used to build up your next world champions we don't talk about this company we don't talk about the shows anymore but in regards to like you said mid-card titles holding serving a purpose the nwa brought back the television title they put together a rule for that out of nowhere, the lucky seven rule, it's called, which immediately made me go, how hard was that? If you defend that TV title seven times consecutively, you automatically earn a shot at the world championship. Perfect. It, it's not that hard. It gives the it gives whoever holds the title, whether heel or face, motivation yes. to find challengers. Now, if you're a heel, you go after weak guys, right? You give chances and to, to people. Get that seven. But then you but then you can potentially lose to those weak people. If you're a face, you're facing all the strong guys. You're building yourself up for that eventual we, world title we've opportunity. We spent all these years, Adam, like you talked about. How do we give the, the secondary title its, its meaning back? The NWA, in a matter of minutes, went here like this. Yeah. And the, really with WWE, the answer is booking because they have given it to Cena. They've given it to Reigns. Yeah. They've given it to Daniel Bryan, who got hurt right after he got it, as Daniel Bryan does almost every time he gets a title. Um, but the the issue is that once the title is around the waist of someone who can elevate it, who's that's your goal, then you need to have them elevate it. Shinsuke Nakamura's had the title for 200 days. Jack, he's defended it on television three times. Three? I think maybe that was four that night, but three or four. 
in 200 freaking days. That's once every two months. Less, you know, even less. So, I mean, what they're doing with the U.S. title on Andrade right now on Raw, and granted it's being delayed, I have a feeling that is the proper usage, whether it's Andrade and Aleister Black or whoever is going to ultimately take it off of them, even if it is Korea or someone else. It's going to be used to elevate these people, and when Andrade is done with the United States Championship, what if after WrestleMania our first feud is Drew McIntyre and Andrade? Holy crap. Now we're rolling here, right? Now we have two new stars leading a a brand that we're excited about. So that needs to be the goal for WWE with these mid-card titles. And it's just crazy that they can't or had not in the past at least been able to figure that out. But I do have high hopes right now. Last question here before we move to Hero or Zero. I'm really curious how many NXT titles are going to get defended at WrestleMania. Because we saw what the goal was for Survivor Series. They put the men's title on there. The women had their triple threat brand versus brand match. I think we're going to see both. Uh, I have a feeling that Adam Cole or whoever NXT champion is that weekend is going to wind up doing double duty and that WrestleMania somehow, I don't even know how, is going to have six world titles defended on it, plus the IC and or US, plus one or both tag team titles. I don't even know how they're going to do it. Yeah, I don't. But I don't think you can put the women's title on there and not have the men's. You can. I'm not saying you can't. But it's... They are Since they already had that men's title defended at Survivor Series, you're saying to people, hey, this is really important. So how do you have one and not the other? I don't know. This is tough because I've been in favor for this for pro- probably about the better part of the past, I don't know, let's say two and a half years, two and a half close to three years or so. Because every year, WrestleMania turns out to be, uh, what, like a 14, 15 match card in total, correct? Usually, yes. Probably what about a good maybe six of those matches we could look at and say why, 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 or why, or two or of I them don't want this, or two of them could have been pre-show and the rest of them could have been main. Yeah, yeah. Either way, it's just matches that don't fit for one reason or another. I don't, I don't know. It may, and maybe this involves scrapping because if it, look, if NXT wants to be its own brand, they're doing stuff like. Their standalone Portland show that doesn't revolve around a right. WWE main roster pay per view weekend. Maybe you scrap the WrestleMania weekend NXT takeover. No, altogether. No. You just scrap it. No, how dare you? And figure out a different way, like they did a Worlds Collide, for example. Like maybe figure out to, to, before Royal Rumble, maybe do something like that, and then say, "All right, the NXT Championship will be defended at WrestleMania." The, the what do you? The other NXT Championship. <laughs> Will be defended <laughs> right. at WrestleMania. It's so weird now. I know it is. Um, or I would say, yo, know what would be good that I don't think you'll disagree with. Let's say he's still holding that title for some reason. Maybe you do Rhea Ripley defending against Charlotte and put Keith Lee on in that the match? WrestleMania card. So Rhea Ripley, uh, Charlotte Flair, and Keith Lee in a triple threat and a North America title match and a triple threat between those three. Yeah, because the, my problem would be I because I foresee Adam Cole. I think somehow, you missed what I just. I think I really think you just glossed over what I just said. What? What's? I'm sorry. Uh, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, and Keith Lee in a triple threat match. I would watch. Well, of course I would watch. I, would watch, <laughs> I just didn't know. Where, I didn't know where you were going with it because I, <laughs> I think the winner of the WrestleMania weekend NXT Takeover match. The NXT Championship match at that takeover in Tampa shouldn't work the next night. 
it's which good. is where it gets tricky for me. So it, I would say maybe take Keith, who you've proven to get that gets over with the main roster crowd. Give him a North American title defense on the card. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just did the math. If you include all three men's world championships, the three women, the two mid-card main roster titles, yeah. the women's tag team and the two men's tag team, that's 11. That's 11 titles that... Good, would, that, but a WrestleMania card should be for prizes. See, I'm, I'm okay see, with that. See, if, if they want to make WrestleMania Night of Champions, which is what I've always thought it should really should be for the for the most part with like two grudge matches, you know, worked in there, that's fine. But if you're at 11 with those, the two ro- battle royals, that's 13. Sure. Now that's it. Then you have Edge Orton, that's 14. But that's no other matches for no other people. And I don't really see, we're not even talking about uh, Rollins and KO. That's now 15. So and you have 40 people getting paychecks for the Royal Rumble or the bat. bat right. If you include both of those now, it's just it, it's now you're at 17. So it's like I, they have to figure out how the hell they're going to do this, because here's the here's the truth. They cannot have a pay-per-view like this and have no tag team titles defended, because then you're spying into everything. Not that they care, really, but everything AEW or your fans say about you and your tag team titles, which is you really don't care about don't them. Don't care. And if you leave all three off the show, that's weird. If you leave the women's tag team titles off, maybe because you're going to have three women's singles, I can buy that. But it's going to be a difficult sell, right? Especially if you have both of the men's on there. If you do the men's, if you do the, what if you did a tag team triple threat pre-show? And like those three matches were your pre-show of WrestleMania Three tag team title matches. That's how you lead off the show. Maybe this also is- one of the battle royals. You put the other battle royal on the main sh- main card, and now you're rolling. I don't know, but they're getting to a point now with three brands and all these titles and deciding to include NXT at WrestleMania, Jack. It, it could get seriously overdone. It, this speaks to what also, like, uh, a lot of our listeners and some of my friends, et cetera, asked me early last month. Can WrestleMania pull off a two-night event like Wrestle Kingdom did? And my answer was, yes, they can, but do I trust them to do it? Absolutely not. Right. At least not what we've seen recently. Now, uh, more, you know, over the last four months, the way the booking's gone, I have more faith in that. Because it's really tailor-made, Adam, for one night of WrestleMania, the WWE Championship is the main event. The second night of WrestleMania, the Universal Championship or, is or the, the women's or, or the women's equivalents. Yeah. Or the women's equivalent. But the, I said, do I trust them to do something like that? No, I do not. Right. Uh, no, I'm with you. And you could, I mean, if you did two nights, you could even do a mini King of the Ring tournament for the, Hell yeah. for the mid-card title the second night. The guy doesn't have a challenger. You have a bunch of people. There's a million things. Or, or you make the battle royals for number one contenderships for mid-card titles. Like, Hell yeah. there's, there's, a middle things, there's a million things that they could do to make it work. But as of right now, we have one WrestleMania. We have potentially as many as 11 titles being defended at it, and we will see what happens as we get closer on the road to WrestleMania. But before we get on the road to WrestleMania, we got to get to your favorite segment on the State of Combat podcast, Hero or Zero. I hit it early. I'm going to do that again, okay? Yeah, go ahead. All right, Jack. Here we're zero. Lightning round edition. Five topics and quick takes here. 
Uh, I'm going to start off. Angel Garza made his debut on Raw with Zelina Vega as Andrade is currently sidelined with a wellness policy violation. And Angel freaking Garza <laughs> tore the roof off Salt Lake City uh, and had a great match with Humberto Carrillo. It was short, of course, but those two real-life cousins, I believe, uh, work exceedingly well together. But what truly shocked me, Jack, was that Garza got over on Rey Mysterio with that DDT on the concrete floor, the exposed floor, man. It was a great match with Mysterio, not uh, Carrillo. Sorry about that. I got that mixed up. Um, first of all, the match with Garza and Mysterio was awesome. It was better than any of Garza's matches with Carrillo. Ray looked completely rejuvenated, more so than even his matches with Andrade. Like, it just looked like it was a different style of luchador wrestling that Ray seemed to really take to. I saw things that he has not done in years in that match. It was fantastic. Angel Garza, I've said it on Twitter, we've mentioned it on this show, future star, future main eventer in my opinion yeah. in WWE. I did think he was a little nervous on the mic because he's far better than that. We know he is. Um, but I really loved the booking here that they had a storyline with Andrade. Uh, he had to leave. Now, they can't tell the exact storyline because there's the title with Andrade, but they're insert inserting Garza, and they're not just playing it off like he's related to Andrade or he's some random Mexican wrestler that they found. They made it make sense that Zelina Vega brought in a guy because Andrade's hurt to mess with Carrillo and Rey Mysterio and continue this. They worked great together. I don't necessarily love the idea of uh, Garza and Andrade being a tag team, but what I do like, Jack, is the old model back in the day of like a Jimmy Hart or a Jim Cornette where she manages singles wrestlers independently of one another. And I would love her in that role with these two. He had a great heel look. Massive, massive hero, Angel Garza on the main roster. Oh, I mean, look, I, I saw the tweet you sent to Adam and I last night, folks. And yeah, I almost passed out when he came out. And then when he ripped the pants off, I almost passed off again. And so Vince McMahon, I think so Vince events, McMahon yeah. did pass out <laughs> in the chair back there. He said, there's my star right there, pal. No, hero 100% on this. And what I, the underrated part I like about all this is that, you know, the wheels in my head get turning. When Andrade comes back, yeah, they're going to they're gonna make this dream team, this heel dream team for a while. That what I suspect is that he sees Zelina's starting to favor Angel, and that's how we maybe get to an Andrade babyface turn it's down possible. the line. He starts to get a little like Zelina's starting to favor him a little more. And But no, Angel Garza, I, we wondered why they pulled the Cruiserweight title off him at Worlds Collide. Now it all makes sense, and God, I am so happy. So that's a hero. You have to always, we don't do this much, but you have, Come to on now. We, you have to remember, hero or zero. You gotta I said hero at the beginning. Oh, you did? Okay, my bad. That's my fault. I'll take the L on that one. Um... <laughs> It was really great, and just simply, the I think the foresight to book it that way is just so smart by Paul Heyman or WWE or whoever the hell did it, and ultimately, I'm really excited. What we mentioned earlier, though, it's weird. Like, if WWE did not have ties to Trump, I would think this would be a huge troll job, that, like, the United States yeah. Championship is just completely, the entire picture is consumed by Mexican luchador talent. It's really funny. It's a little strange, to be honest with you that they're choosing to do that. Um, but I'm fine with it because it's fantastic. It's great wrestling. The crowd is absolutely loving it and buying into it. It's great. Uh, I just do hope that this storytelling runs its course and we get a match that makes sense at WrestleMania. If it's just going to be Andrade and Rey Mysterio, it's kind of like we've seen that 18 times already. If it's going to be a triple threat with Carrillo, okay, I can buy into that a little bit more. But candidly... 
I really think whatever happens here, Andrade needs to come out on top, and we need Andrade Alistair Black at WrestleMania. Yeah, I think that's where we're probably heading. That that's a nice way to book it. But uh, no, Hero Angel Garza, welcome, welcome, my son. All right, Jack. Last week we praised uh, Hangman Adam Page for, or I really praised Hangman Adam Page for an incredible moment aboard the Jericho cruise. I thought it was a complete star making turn with him. You know, I said I talked about the wind flowing through his hair and him taking the beer out of the crowd and just looking like a total badass. Uh, I don't give an f type of guy right? Uh, A character that we've seen before certainly many times, but he pulled it off really nicely. Well, this week on Dynamite, Hangman Page got a hold my beer moment in the ring. Uh, You know, asked, I think it was Matt Jackson to hold his beer, hit a buckshot (laughs) lariat, and help the Young Bucks ultimately uh, come out on top in that match. So Jack, hero or zero for the progression that we're seeing from the Hangman Page character? And do you believe that this was always 100% the plan the entire time? Hero, hero of the page stuff, obviously. No, I do not think this was the plan the entire time. I, I really, th- I am starting to believe, and the proof is starting to just rear its head, is that sometime between that disastrous um, Dark Order ending to the final Dynamite of the year in 2019 to the new year, yep. they all got together. Now, reports are, look, crap on the guy all you want. Reports for multiple people, not just Meltzer, was that Tony Khan was the one who pulled them back and said, Look, come on now. Everybody get on the same. This is getting ridiculous. This is getting out of hand. And if he did, kudos to that guy. I'm not going to crap on him for it. But there's proof that I think they got together and said, look, we got to change some things or we're going to lose these people. And they've been hitting, 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 hitting. But this page stuff, this has a chance to go down as being remembered 10 years from now when people say, hey, how did AEW become such a success? What mainstream stars have they made? Like, Cody is a mainstream star. Chris Jericho is a mainstream star. John Moxley is a mainstream star. But they're going to say, the point of wrestling is, what star was made? I think right now we're in the infant stages of eventually saying Adam Hangman Page was made into a top star by just, again, what do we always say? Being himself, turn it up to 11. Yep. And that's what we're getting with Page. And what I like is that the elite are the baby faces here. But really, they're the assholes. Whereas you, you look at Paige and they're trying to cu- make him come across as a heel, but at the same time you look at him and you, you empathize with him. You're like, yeah, man, those guys are kind of, kind of being shitty to you. Well, it's also, it's also like, okay, Steve Austin and Sandman and all these guys have drank beer before, right? But you never get the actuality of it, which is if Steve Austin's pounding 18 beers. He's drunk. He's drunk. And he's not going to be completely himself, right? And and r- real life, alcoholism affects many things for anyone. Yes. You know, I hope anyone who is gets help. But uh, it also affects mood. One of the things that affects is mood, drinking. It changes who you are. And it lets some people say the real in- person come out. But it also lets true emotion come out, right? So this is a guy who was repressing all his feelings of lack of satisfaction, both with his own success and being forgotten, he felt, in this faction that he's in. And now the drinking is bringing out the I don't give an F part of him of, all right, guys, you do you, whatever. I'm just going to go here and be successful. And he's being successful. He's the one who won that match. He's the one who saved the day this week. So I'm slowly, slowly but surely they're turning Adam Page into a guy that maybe a year and a half, two years from now, because, again, you got to give it time. You got to be patient. That's a guy they could slap that AEW title on and put him in front of TV cameras, in front of the yeah. T, like you could plaster him all over the place, and that's your star. And little kids are going to go, "That's Adam Page." That's Adam Page. And to be fair, that was always their goal. 
it was their stated goal that he is the future. So yeah. they're definitely they're definitely making that work and they're telling a really good story to make that work. But I do agree with you in the question I posed earlier. I don't think that was always the plan. And I think they have reversed course very well. It was the exact moment. Once the year turned to 2020, I believe those reports completely because there has been a completely different tone to these AEW shows. Um, not necessarily immediately once the year started, but the two prior to this past week. So three weeks ago and two weeks ago, I thought which, were, the, were the two best shows that they've had yet. Which the, last point on this. Is, oh, I'm sorry. The real last thing. And then last week's show. I thought was fine. I, I didn't love last week's show, but it, I didn't hate it by any means. And there were a few episodes where I was truly starting to hate it. Um, and the last two weeks, the two weeks prior, they totally saved it. Great. This past week, above average. I would say. Because I, I told, you know, like one of the promises AEW made, one of, one of its top promises was that we are going to listen to you, the fans. WWE does it and they don't. Like WWE's not like what WWE was the only option. They knew that, so when we ask for something, they're like, "Ha ha, screw you! You're not getting it. You're right. getting what Vince wants, and that's it." AEW said, "No, no, no. We'll listen to you." Over the course of the first month of 2020, they have proven to me they have they they've gained good faith from me that hey man, if I if we you know bitch and moan loud enough about something, you're gonna change it, and they've done that. Because apparently, too, on AEW Dark, they scrapped the whole Brandy Rhodes thing during the taping. Oh, did they? I didn't know. The Nightmare Collective. They broke them up. I guess Luther and Mel turned on. Like, they just said, boop, gone. God, thank God. No, I mean, I don't watch AEW Dark, but that was completely necessary. Um, You know, they do. But to, to be fair, when they say, hey, we listen to you, you know, whatever, that was both to their benefit and to their detriment. They need to know that, yes, we need to listen to the fans for bigger things. Week-to-week storylines, the fans don't need to control those. You guys have to have enough confidence in yourselves to know what's working and what's not working, and we'll move on since you mentioned the Nightmare Collective. I'm going to go ahead and tell you something else that's not freaking working in AEW. Uh, This is the Hero Zero topic. I'm just going to tell you it's a zero. Arn Anderson as Cody Rhodes' coach. It is stupid, period. Wrestlers don't need coaches. Do they need managers? Yes. Do they need some of these other incarnations advocates and and valets and whatever you want to call it sure that's fine but arn anderson makes no sense in this role first of all i told you the first time he had an impact the first time he showed up telling cody to put his knees up to start stop a coffin drop from darby allen cody's a veteran wrestler he should have known to do that number two then arn comes out with a play card like he's calling plays like he's an nfl offensive coordinator you ain't doing that live during a wrestling match that's not what uh, corner men do and coaches do during boxing. They don't, they do call out things that the person should be doing, but they don't have plays. They don't have certain moves that they're trying to say, like, Hey, go hit four right hooks and a left cross. Like, that's not how this job works. So that sucks. And then this past week, I don't know exactly why they booked it this way, but having him argue a call, quote unquote, argue a referee decision and then get tossed for it. It just interrupted the entire flow of what was a pretty decent match between Cody and Kip Sabian. So, Arn Anderson, you're fine. Nice dude. I'm glad you got employed with AEW for the latter stages of your career. Keep doing you. Arn Anderson, the coach, zero. Get off my television. I don't mind. I didn't mind the coach thing at first because it is akin to a boxer. Like you, like you say, why does a veteran wrestler need someone to tell him to get his knees up and cough and drop? When in theory, Cody is discombobulated. He's hurt. He maybe can't see the coffin drop coming. 
It's like a boxer who can't see, but you have the quarterman yelling, hey, he's coming with the left, he's coming with the left, he's coming with the hook, coming with the hook. It's, I have no problem with Archie. Get managers, your knees up, Managers Cody. do that too. Get your knees up, Cody. That's fine. Like, I have no problem with that. No, but the play card, that went a little too far for me. Because I was like, what, what? Like, that, this, this makes no sense. Right, and it's, and, like, and it's like every match would have to be different. So you would need a new play card every single <laughs> week. And you're gonna put that, and it was huge. You're gonna put that many plays on a card so, for a single opponent, like. So I will, I will hero Art Anderson in this in this head coach role because hey, AEW again, they're trying things. They're and still for better or worse, they're trying this real sport type approach to their business model with the rankings, et cetera. I'm okay with that, but I'm I I will zero them like doubling down on it with giving him a damn play card and then having a bump a referee to like. That would have, that was a little too campy for me. The, the referee bump, especially like the play card was one thing. Then he bumps the referee, and the referee kicks. I okay, we're going too far. With especially this. when again, he's a veteran. He knows not to bump a referee. See, because in like in, in boxing, they're called like they're called cornermen, but in MMA, they're called coach. They have coaches from these respective I, gyms. I, I, I totally so I'm okay get with. I I, I totally okay. get like the MMA. I, like, I, that's why I made the boxing comparison. MMA is a really good point on from from you. I get the comparison, but it's. Pro wrestling. And I know you're trying to be more sports. If, if you want to call him coach, just like Heyman calls himself advocate, fine. And look, if you want me to, if you want me to say, also, if you want me to say something, uh, something else negative about all this, my thing is. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> the, the, the top star in Cody Rhodes has one. Why haven't we, even in just a few short weeks, it's been a thing. Why haven't we seen other guys say, well, I'm going to get me a coach too. And by the way, he's the coach of the quote unquote nightmare family. So why isn't he with Dustin? That's true too. See, you know what? That I'll admit, I'll, I'll firmly admit, I thought he was just Cody's coach at no. first. Coach then of the when nightmare I first family. heard him announced yeah. as the nightmare, like the team Cody, or team, whatever, the nightmare family coach, I was like, all right, then. Yeah, he's got to start doing this with everybody. Even QT Mar- if QT Marshall's out there right. for a match. Right. He's gotta, if anybody needs a damn coach, it's QT Marshall. Exactly. And then, and if he coaches QT Marshall and he starts winning, then there's something there. But, like, come on. Yeah. Let's move. All right. Last year, here were zero. Um, I want to talk about – oh, sorry. Not last year. Sorry. Two second from last. Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne uh, beat the Grizzled Young Veterans to win the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, Jack. Uh, I thought it was an awesome match. Um, but hit me up hero or zero that the right team won and that you want to see more from this tag team going forward hero hero that they won just because, you know, one of the most joyous things to watch in pro wrestling is two single stars that are just thrown together for one reason or another, but you come to find out that they have this great chemistry together. And that's what we got with riddle and done. I thought the grizzled young veterans, even just making it as far to the finals, they're made men now. I think they should stay over here in the United States, to, to be honest with you. That, no more NXT UK for them. Stay here after that. I think it's it was good to give them the dusty win for the to get the match in Portland. I just I, their chemistry together was great. That the comedy bits were on point. I have no problem with it. Hero. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I liked seeing them. I, I I liked their team, the Grizzled Young Veterans. I did like them when I watched them in NXT UK, but they had to put Riddle and Dunn over here for a couple reasons. One, you have to do something with Matt Riddle at this point. It's not that Riddle has to be in a title picture or has to be champion, but this is one of the top guys in all of professional wrestling right now. And I know you have a lot of other storylines with Cole and Champa and Gargano. These guys have been in the main event picture for a long, long time. It is really time to shake things up in NXT, especially now that people are not getting called up as regularly as they used to back in the day. So putting Riddle and Dunn together, it's smart. It works. They play off each other in a fantastic manner. 
And I'm extremely excited, not just that they won this match, which was a great match, by the way. Not good. Great match. But I'm really excited to see now what they do. And this is really the fifth part of our Hero or Zero, which is the NXT TakeOver Portland card. It's a hero. That's, let me, spoiler alert. Uh, it's a hero of a freaking card. But they're going to be in a tag team championship match against Undisputed Hour for the titles. And Jack, if we're booking based on the way we booked, you know, uh, you know, Keith Lee against Roderick Strong and the unraveling of the Undisputed Era, I think the Broserweights have to go over in this match. Yeah, because you remember I pointed out a few weeks ago, all of this is a slow unraveling until after WrestleMania when the Undisputed Era. And look, I got some I got some heat from our fans that don't understand what I'm saying when I say Undisputed Era. They don't need to leave it. They don't need to be called up. I said, look, it's not about being called up. It's about a change of scenery yeah. for these guys. Because we say it when it was just Raw and SmackDown. Some guys were on Raw and you were like, God, when this draft or whatever comes around, they really need to move to SmackDown. Undisputed Era really needs a move to, especially Raw, to be with Paul Heyman. It's just a change of scenery thing. See, I actually, just because of Rollins and you have that group, and yes, you could do it and they could come up as faces totally, I'd put them on SmackDown. Because you need something to inject life into that freaking show. SmackDown could, yeah. And, and when they, and when Adam Cole in particular was on that show, the, the show after the, the Blood Money in the Sand 4 yes. travel screw up, man, that was a, it was like, oh my God, this is different. This is new. This you is could, fun. Yeah, this could. is cool. So I do think that it's not a call up. We, we use these terms because we're used to using them. Okay. But bringing them up or bringing them over. How about that? Big. Bringing them over to one of the other brands. Um, it's necessary. They've been there for a very long time. And the Performance Center has a lot of talent that needs to start getting featured. And honestly, the Undisputed Era era uh, of NXT, it went on longer than expected, probably. Yes. I, don't, I don't think it was ne- ever really supposed to go on this long. So it is kind of time to disintegrate it. And if they start here, that's fine. I did want to take a quick look at the rest of this TakeOver Portland card. We're not going to break it down, do predictions. It's still a couple of weeks off, but it's loaded. I obviously mentioned that match. We have the Dakota Kai Tegan Knox street fight, which is pretty cool. Finn Balor against Johnny Gargano. Uh, obviously, Gargano got hurt. They weren't able to fight their previously, it seemed, scheduled match. So now they're going to go head-to-head here. Rhea Ripley against Bianca Belair for the NXT title, which we're expecting is going to be a Ripley retention just because of you know what's going to happen going forward. Uh, and then Adam Cole against Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT championship. So you've already given your booking on why Ripley Belair should main event, mostly so Ripley can retain and uh flair can interfere at the end um but how where does this card stack for you among the takeover cards because gotta be honest man on paper on paper this is up there with new orleans uh this is up there with new york uh it's up there with brooklyn two i think it was this looks to be one of the best takeover cards of all time i will agree with that i don't think you're being hyperbolic i really don't uh, you know, the, the, the Kodakai Tegan Knox stuff has been masterfully done. Love it. Like for just a grudge match, it doesn't need a title. Beautiful. Balor Gargano, obviously beautifully done. The NXT Tag Team Championship. It, it's like, it's, it, it's so strange. You say undisputed era versus the Broser weights, which good. But when you put it in the context of Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunn in the same ring, it just takes it up to a whole other level. When you look at it that way, when you say it like that out loud, uh, Bianca Belair has improved by leaps and bounds since her last title opportunity was uh, last January against Shayna. Like, she's become just, oh, God, amazing. Cole versus Champa, love it. 
don't think Champa wins. Champa should not win that match. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say absolutely not, but what I would not mind happening is the winner of Gargano and Balor, which I think is going to be Balor. Ultimately, it could be Gargano, but I think it's going to be Balor. Um, having a, not an interference necessarily, but having a role in that match that would lead to a triple threat between those three. I'd be very curious to see that happen at TakeOver Tampa uh, and Bauer to walk away from that with the NXT Championship, giving way to feuds with Riddle and Keith Lee and all these guys that we want to get these opportunities. Um, the other thing that could happen, and I don't think it would happen necessarily in that match, nor do I think there'd be a good reason for it to, is we've been waiting for Velveteen Dream to come back. And I, I, apparently it's a it was a serious injury, but they have not given legitimate breakdowns of of what's wrong with him, a timetable for his return. And I think it's all on purpose. I um, think he's getting the Cena match. I'm sorry. I think he's getting happen. the Cena match at WrestleMania. It could happen too. So I'm just, I'm really curious to see what happens with those matches. Certainly Champa, if he did win the title, it would make sense. But where does he go from there? That's the problem. Uh, Champa Balor, maybe, but that doesn't really kind of excite me for some reason as much of a, as a triple threat with those three would. Uh, but like I said, I think my, the main goal for NXT as we move forward here, Jack, is for, to slowly but surely fade out the Undisputed Era and those yeah. three main eventers of Gargano, Champa, and Cole and start giving some new blood opportunities here. Keith Lee is certain do, certainly looking good with the North American Championship. You do have Matt Riddle and Damian Priest. Killian Dane still exists, by the way, in case people forgot. And a ton of other people that are waiting in the wings for their opportunities. Uh, Swerve, as an example, although he's involved in the Cruiserweight stuff right now. Uh, but I am interested to see kind of how NXT moves forward. I did promise at the beginning of the show that we would address the future of State of Combat Professional Wrestling Edition, as so many of you have inquired about. And I mentioned at the start of the program today that we received a lot of tweets uh, coming out of last week's show, and they were really positive. Really, they have been for the last couple of weeks just talking about uh, the job that Jack and I are doing and how much you guys are enjoying the show and things like that. But at the same time, You've had some questions. Uh, where's Brian? Uh, why hasn't he been on the show recently? And really, what is the future like for the State of Combat Professional Wrestling edition? So I always feel the best way to kind of break things down like this is to rip the Band-Aid off. And that's what I'm going to do uh, straight up. This is going to be the last professional wrestling edition of State of Combat. And before everyone grabs your pitchforks or lights up some flares or starts typing on Twitter, complaining or whatever the case might be, allow me to break things down for you and explain the situation so everyone better understands. And before I even get into that, let me also tell you that this is not a salmon jacket situation. We're not running the storyline. Uh, this is legitimately the last professional wrestling edition of State of Combat. And it is happening for a couple reasons. This is a decision that really came down from the powers that be, and it has a lot to do with putting a greater emphasis and more resources towards boxing and mixed martial arts, namely UFC and Bellator, of course. Those are sports that we want to focus on and put our best foot forward in covering. And, you know, to do the professional wrestling podcast every week, in addition to boxing and MMA podcasts for Brian, it really has become a lot for him. And ultimately, of course, this is the state of combat with Brian Campbell, or as it used to be called, in this Campbell podcast. And his name is the one that's on the marquee. And I think 
people also kind of wanted to know what was going on with Brian. And I don't want to speak for him by any means here. But I think what people need to remember is that when Brian first joined us, he joined as a writer. He was going to do the podcast and occasionally appear on video. But a lot of things in many extremely positive ways have changed for Brian uh, over the last couple of years. Not only does he still have the job here at CBS Sports, but he is working doing boxing undercards with Showtime on the live broadcast. He has the morning combat show on Showtime Online, um, which is fantastic and getting better week by week. There was also a period of time where he was basically traveling to California nearly every week for Fox to do the PBC on Fox face-to-face show. So this is a guy who has been traveling around the country, absolutely busting his ass and trying to cover all three of those sports at once is a ton. And it's fair to say, especially for longtime listeners of the show and anyone that's watched WWE in particular over the last let's say, 18 months, that prior to October, the product really wasn't that great. And when you're, you know, having an extremely busy life and you're forcing yourself to watch all of this wrestling just to do your job, and if you're really not completely enjoying every ounce of it, it makes doing that job very difficult. So Brian with us is is concentrating on boxing and MMA. He's going to keep doing those podcasts. You can listen to both of them every single week here on State of Combat. And I think by not having a wrestling show, it'll also provide opportunities for additional boxing and MMA shows, whether it's picks, whether it's instant analysis, State of Combat will continue, and it's going to be great. Brian is in a great spot. His career is on a huge upward trajectory. And, you know, I'm not going to say whether this is good or bad news for him. I know he still loves professional wrestling, but this is certainly a positive step for Brian long-term. Could not be happier for him. As for Jack... Uh, Jack will be making, you know, periodic appearances on the boxing and MMA podcasts. Uh, I'm not sure that it's going to be regular necessarily, but you will hear him. So if you do enjoy boxing and you do enjoy MMA, definitely stay subscribed to State of Combat. Uh, but you will hear Jack occasionally there. And Jack certainly will continue to be an editor for CBSSports.com, as am I. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely still uh, the deputy managing editor of CBS Sports. We cover, you know, I cover a ton of sports, including college football, golf, um, WWE and wrestling will still have some coverage on the website. That's not going away completely. You'll see results and grades from major pay-per-views and things like that there. As far as the Silver King and what is what my future holds in terms of wrestling audio, I'm not sure. Uh, it is something that I am exploring. I am not exactly sure in which direction I'm going to go. But as we've discussed previously on this podcast, as I've mentioned numerous times really over the last year, you know, three years ago when this show started, it was not ever something that I expected to do. I've made my living and I've uh, succeeded um, throughout my life getting my opinion and thoughts across with the written word. Uh, you know, some people have, they say a face for radio. Well, I think I have a face and voice uh, for the computer. But apparently this has caught on and, and you guys have enjoyed or seemingly enjoyed uh, some of what I've brought to this show each and every week. And it is something that I do hope to continue in one way or another. I am not exactly sure what that is going to be. Um, I have some ideas on what I can do in the interim uh, before I come up with the ultimate plan, but, you know, there are some irons kind of in the fire poking around trying to figure out what options are out there. One way or another, I do truly hope to continue talking about professional wrestling in the future, you know, through some medium. What I will tell you, uh, obviously, please follow at State of Combat on Twitter. That is the Twitter account. Follow at B Campbell CBS for all of his boxing, MMA coverage, and still professional wrestling thoughts. BC still going to be watching wrestling, folks. Don't you worry about that. Uh, follow J 
Crosby, CBS, uh, for Jack, just to stay on top with him. But follow Silverstein Adam as well, at Silverstein Adam, uh, for updates on really what's going to happen from a professional wrestling audio standpoint. I know a lot of you follow me already. For those that don't, whether it's because you just don't use Twitter or you're not particularly fond of me or whatever the case might be, I do hope you follow me, not for the tweets, but really just to keep up and be on, I mean, for lack of a better term, a social mailing list on what might be next. Because if something does continue with me in the future, um, and I think it would be in the near future, I can tell you that. I'm trying to make it happen sooner than later. It would be very similar to what State of Combat is, but certainly, uh, you know, main events and Hero and Zeros, instant analysis, interviews, hard-hitting interviews, things that you guys really love. So, you know, we've had an entirely awesome fan base and listenership here at State of Combat, and I'm not going to get to everyone, but just to name a few guys like Black Saber Jr. and Talkbox and D. Mitty, uh, you know, Sean, uh, I think it's R-E-E-B-82. If I got that right, I get extra credit. People have made Twitter handles from this show, Vape with Victor and I'm Board Brother. It's awesome stuff. And, and there are so many more of you to name. I promise you, if I sat down and got a list, I'd get most of you, but it would take forever for me to read it. Um, but the dedication to listening to the show every week, your thoughts and your, um, Willingness to share them on Twitter, both positive and negative. It's something that I've enjoyed immensely. Uh, like I said, I've, there's been this weird community created around the State of Combat Professional Wrestling Edition that has meant a lot to me as a professional wrestling fan because I have spent so much time watching wrestling myself and talking to one or two friends about it, grabbing a couple people in the office, but I never really had an outlet to actually voice my thoughts and opinions about wrestling in long form, which is what this is. It's very different than sending a 140-character tweet or even a couple tweets back-to-back. There's something unique and special out here. And I know there are a ton of pro wrestling podcasts out there, and they run the gamut from former wrestlers and people on their couch having fun. But I think through three years, kind of overseeing in some ways the State of Combat podcast, I have figured out um, what pro wrestling fans really want in a podcast. And I think there is an opportunity out there to do something special. So... Please follow me at Silverstein Adam at S I L V E R S T E I N Adam on Twitter. Again, please follow at State of Combat if you don't already. Drop those five star reviews for the boxing and MMA shows. Follow Brian Campbell at B Campbell CBS. Follow Jack at J Crosby CBS. But as I mentioned, be sure to follow my Twitter account for updates on what may be going on with me and professional wrestling audio in the near future. So we have reached the end of the final. State of Combat Professional Wrestling Edition. And folks, the only proper thing to do would be to say goodbye. Elizabeth, come on out that. here, oh, man. Oh. I mean, we got something going that's oh, really big, mercy. don't we? Yeah. Look in the video scope right now and tell them about Macho Madness. Tell them how strong it is and tell them where we're going. Yeah. We into the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Mm, and yeah. Hulk Hogan's got no chance, does he? No. No. Does anybody have a chance against the Macho Man, Randy no, Savage? Nobody. Am I the greatest wrestler past, present, and future that ever lived? Yes, you are. Okay, now say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Bye. Okay, now get out of here. Well, that's right a little now. rough, Randy. No, yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. And I am the roughest one in the sport. I am the number one wrestler in the world today. Tell Hulk Hogan that and tell I will. I thank you, Randy Savage. And we end, as we always do, with just two words for you. We have.